warning system. Yes, indeed, your body has a built-in effective warning system. That system is actually spelled in four letters, P-A-I-N, pain. Pain is an amazing part of what it means to be a human being, but yet we avoid it usually at all extremes, no matter what form it appears. It could be physical pain, emotional pain, psychological pain, or having a host that is a pain. <laughs> How'd you like that segue, I Janelle? I don't. I didn't know I was such a pain. No, you're not. Ah. <laughs> I can be. <laughs> <laughs> While she smiles. <laughs> we probably ought to move in a different direction very quickly before we pursue that. Mm -hmm. What's so, in your hand there? Um, it's a prop. Migraine relief. Oh, for pain. pain. Yeah. Physical pain. Are we talking physical pain today? We're talking all sorts of pain today. Okay. And especially one that often we don't talk about, spiritual pain. Mm. There's a lot of times when individuals in their life have experiences that create a great deal of spiritual angst and pain. Yes. And the thing that I think we end up doing is we avoid pain. Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. So, Like the plague. Yeah, the plague can cause pain, too. <laughs> yes, it can. That's what I've heard. So we've been gone for a while, and it's, back. Yeah. it's nice to be back again. Long time. Like yeah. since December 24th. Wow. Wow. So, yeah, we, I've missed it. I've missed I this experience. I have, too. This is great. Yep, it is. I've missed it, too. So today we're going to talk about pain. It's built off of a sermon by William Coffin, who the title of the sermon that he preached back in, I believe it was 1983, hmm. 1983 on February 20th, he preached eyeball to eyeball with the devil. While I was working on this sermon, there were things about it that uh, it's all built around the temptation of Jesus. But there was one thing in particular that struck me, and that's what I would like to focus on today, is talking about the idea of how we deal with pain. And how in the world does that even tie into this whole story of Jesus's temptation? That's what we're going to be looking at, and we'll discuss that right after this. You pop one of these babies, you wait a few hours, hopefully maybe just a few minutes, and voila, the pain is gone. It's amazing to me how in our society today we avoid pain. We use all sorts of different external ways of treating pain. It could be anywhere from making ourselves feel numb to something that actually goes in and hits that pain right where it needs to be, and brings a little bit of bliss. But I wonder if we are missing something, if we've missed and appreciate the role that pain plays in our life. As we mentioned earlier, it's actually a warning system. 
It's to alert us and our body that there are potential damages that we need to address. To go and seek some type of care, some type of help that will allow us to go through a healing process and to restore us to equilibrium, to good health. And so if we have this aversion to pain, is there a different way that we could look at it? And I think that's what Khalil Gibran in the book, The Prophet, he wrote a poem in there where he talks about the idea of instead of avoiding pain, that we actually embrace pain. Here's what the poem says. And a woman spoke saying, tell us of pain. And he said, your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. Even as the stone of the food, fruit must break that its heart may stand in the sun, so you must know pain. And could you keep your heart in wonder at the daily miracles of your life? Your pain would not seem less wondrous than your joy. And you would accept the seasons of your heart, even as you have always accepted the seasons that pass over your fields. And you would watch with serenity through the winters of your grief. Now, the reason why I stumbled upon this poem was because William Coffin, in this sermon back in 1983, he uses one line in particular from this poem. It's the one where it says, your pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. He uses that one line as a way of talking about Jesus's, the beginning of his public life. And that be beginning starts with the experience that takes place in the 40 days in the wilderness of fasting. Jesus there is said to experience pain. The beginning of his ministry is marked by pain, be it physical or emotional, when he is tempted with these questions. And it's almost as if William Coffin has come upon something that normally at the beginning of our lives, at the beginning of our careers, at the beginning of a transition, often pain is involved. And rather than fleeing the pain, Coffin encourages us, just like Jesus, is to embrace the pain because pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses your understanding. It's almost as if by this opening up that takes place through pain, you are more open to the possibilities that life may give you. But he doesn't stop there. He continues on, and, and in the poem, Khalil Gibran says that you keep your heart in wonder at the daily miracles of your life. So you must know pain. That's amazing to me. This is the first time I've ever seen where an individual called painful experiences as something that should be seen as a type of wonder, a type of, of an experience that actually ought to bring you joy. He goes to, as far as to say it's a daily miracle. So to refer to pain as a miracle, no, it's, it's not normal for me. But Gibran challenges me to rethink that, that instead of looking at experiences and label them either as good or bad because of what they do in my life and the impact perhaps even through pain in my life, 
Gibran says instead that we ought to accept and be at with wonder and awe all the different experiences that come into our life. And perhaps he stumbled upon something that's really worth pausing and thinking about. Is when we have something happen to us, it's easy to label it as either positive or negative. But what would happen if we didn't do that? What happens if we were able to step back and just experience that moment? Is it possible by doing that, we would be able to learn what we need from those experiences? And maybe that's what Jesus was experiencing when he had this time of temptation. Perhaps Jesus was understanding that this experience that would launch him into the public sphere was actually preparing him for all the different challenges and opportunities that would come his direction. Another point that Gabron makes in this poem, he says, if we would accept the seasons of your heart, and I think that's a key word, accept. Normally when bad things happen or negative things that we label such, we tend to want an explanation. Why did this happen to me? I need a reason. If I can make sense of it, if somehow there's, it's not just frivolous, it, it's occurring for a reason. And if I can identify that reason, then it makes it easier to be able to actually handle it. But I wonder if what Gibran is challenging us to do is simply accept Accept whatever crosses our path. Now, it doesn't mean that we enjoy the pain that we're experiencing, whatever form it may take. But if we can accept it, perhaps we can flow through it a little bit easier than if we resist it. And I think that's one of the things that the writers of the Gospels caught about Jesus. I think one of the ways that they talk about Jesus' willingness to accept life was they continually talked about Jesus being open to the will of God. Maybe that's another way of saying that we can accept what life is bringing us. And then finally, Gabran ends with this last line, and he says, and you would watch with serenity through the winters of your grief. I think one of the reasons why these little pills are so effective is they can take the edge or all of the pain away. And again, I'm not saying that should never happen. But I wonder sometimes when it comes to pain in different aspects of our life, the emotional, the psychological, the spiritual pain, that maybe we need a little bit more patience. Maybe we need to simply wait. There's a poem that was written about grief, and it says, walk slowly in your grief. The idea being is that when we have pain in our life, rather than just immediately trying to numb it, we can allow ourselves to be with it, allow ourselves to experience it at the moment. And then as we go through that pain, we begin to experience it slowly as it softens. And it gives us the lessons that we need. Just as seasons pass over a period of time, perhaps these painful experiences, if we can embrace them, 
Doesn't mean we like them, but if we can embrace them, perhaps we will learn from them. Because ultimately, every experience, whether you name it as positive or negative, every experience is a teacher. Some teachers are more challenging than others. Some you got to study real hard if you ever want to get an A. But each of the experiences we have, they are teachers that somehow challenge us. And they are opportunities to learn, to become more fully human, to grow in what we need to be. So today, perhaps could it mark the shift, the beginning of a shift in your perception of pain? And rather than something that is to be resisted, perhaps it is something that we should embrace. Something to think about and something we'll talk about right after this. Apropos for me, the subject. In what way? I had a week of winter in my grief or winters of my grief, whatever you want to say, this past week. Really? Wow. With COVID going on, it hasn't been an opportunity for us to actually see mm. each other in person very often. I always often. hit all directions. Really? Yes. Emotionally and spiritually, not physically. Okay. Thank God. I'm fine. So emotionally and spiritually, you got hit... Uh-huh. It was a lot. And the pain was very real then? Oh, sure. Yeah. Did you try to avoid it? I, I couldn't. I was <laughs> knee deep in water, believe it or not. That was one of the pain? I, <laughs> we had our water heater burst in our garage. Oh. <laughs> so yeah, on top of everything else going on in my life. Yeah. So I, I love this. I have had a mantra since 2010. And what is that mantra? Embrace the suck. <laughs> Embrace the suck. Yes. And that... And you have it tattooed somewhere? I should. Yes. No, I do not. <laughs> yeah, you know, I found this pretty fascinating. I kind of looked at it from a different angle in that um, I think America is predisposed, the American culture is predisposed to happiness. A culture of happiness. We have um, a whole industry behind it. We seek happiness. There's a self-help industry. There's the field of positive psychology. There's something called the Happiness Project. Mm. So it's funny because the other cultures, this was interesting to me. So Americans think of it as an unalienable right to, to be, happiness. To be happy. Joyful. It's okay. even in our constitution, is it not? 
Maybe. I can't remember. I can't either, but I would think it something was. Anyway. <laughs> Others, uh, there's a cross-cultural study. And they revealed that while Americans associate happiness with high arousal, positive states like elation, enthusiasm, and excitement, mm -hmm. Hong Kong Chinese define happiness through more low arousal, positive states, calm and relaxation. Wow. Isn't that kind of fascinating? So do you, are you saying then that our desire to experience happiness could be one of the contributing factors for us not mm -hmm. being willing to embrace the role of pain, I think both so. physical and emotional, psychological, or spiritual. Yeah, it makes it harder. It's an obstacle. Yeah, but don't you think Christianity, and I can't speak as much to other religions, but don't you mm -hmm. think Christianity, Christianity actually promotes, at least from the very beginning, that if you bring God into your life, if you accept Jesus as your personal Savior, yes. then as a result of that, you will be blessed that your life will be better, that when situations mm -hmm. have, you'll have more skills, more abilities to take place of that. And you have the assurance that God is with you all the time. But is that happiness? When you say blessed? Um, I think it's what, I don't know if we would want to label it necessarily happy, mm -hmm. but it's better than maybe joy. Maybe it's maybe not as high as this excited state as it is more mm -hmm. of a sense of like, Things should be better if God is in my life. Okay. And the painful experiences won't be maybe as severe in my life because God is there. And I think that's one of the challenges is, that, is if you see God in your life and mm -hmm. God is the one who is supposed to do only good, then right. when things happen in your life that cause pain, how do we deal with that? That's a tough one. Yeah, agreed. I had an experience that um, brought a lot of physical pain. And I actually came out of it thinking, wow, I wish everybody would go through this. <laughs> How did that impact you spiritually, though? How did that impact your, uh, when you had this physical painful experience, uh -huh. how did that impact your idea of God, your experience of Christianity? Well, it didn't turn me away. I wasn't like pointing a finger at God saying, why did you do this to me? Okay. I instead kind of, it was a growing experience. I looked at it that way. So it was a positive thing, even though it was very painful. So when you, your experience of God, was it shifted at all during this painful experience? No. Not at all? No. Huh. No, not for me. Yeah, I think there are some individuals who, for them, their mm -hmm. view of God often shifts during time of pain. And right. that could be anywhere from pain as in grief of, mm -hmm. of a death. It could be Loss. a physical pain. Um, there could be all sorts of different ways that people experience pain. And if you have one particular view of God that we kind of focused on was this idea that God will take care of everything. Mm -hmm. When that doesn't happen, I think a lot of people at that point can re-examine their idea of God and God's involvement and what that looks like in their life. Oh, for sure. And I think that's why I find William Coffin in this sermon that he did. Mm -hmm. he, he, he says one thing in, in the sermon that really struck me. It says reality itself, and he equates that with the Holy Spirit. 
literally the line says, hmm. but that assessment is beside the point. For here, reality itself, the Holy Spirit, leads Jesus out of the Jordan. Which I find fascinating is that just in this one little sentence, yeah. in this phrase, he's able to link the Holy Spirit to reality itself, to life. Yeah. And instead of seeing the Holy Spirit as something that is an entity of in of itself, right. he sees it as in life. And then he goes on and he so says... So it brings divinity into your life. Or divinity is life. Yeah. Yeah. And then he goes on and he says that the Holy Spirit leads Jesus out of the Jordan and into the wilderness, proving that the Spirit is both, you ready for this? Mm. Or reality is both comforter and discomforter. Nice. So that the role of life, the role of God mm -hmm. is more than just giving you comfort. It can actually create discomfort. And that's when he says pain is an essential part of the religious life for as the story shows mm -hmm. and that's the story of the temptations of jesus mm -hmm. pain is the breaking of the shell that encloses our understanding right so you know <laughs> that makes me think about i'm a mom mm -hmm. and sometimes you have to um let your kid go through the pain because you know it'll be a life lesson but that's hard mm -hmm. to watch yes to even to even make happen, actually. Yeah, I mean, think about. I mean, we talk about helicopter parents mm -hmm. and how they're just kind of hovering all their all, all uh, excuse me, hovering all the time over their children, right? Making sure that they don't have any uh, terrible experiences, right? But on the other side of that is the feeling that you get is that pain is part of life, and it's perhaps one of the greatest teachers. Yeah. And sometimes parents be. have to use the expression tough love. Yeah. Which may be stepping back and letting them experience whatever it is. The pain. That, yeah, the pain in whatever form that appears. And for me, that's hard. Right. It's well, and hard. I think that's where we Not have to be. Not that I'm a helicopter parent. <laughs> I, think, I think that's where we have to be careful, though, is because there is pain that needs physically that needs to be dealt with. It needs mm -hmm. to be because it yeah. can't, it's excruciating and it takes an impact on one's, even one's own psyche. It does. So, but I think what this sermon may be talking about a little bit more is the pain that we experience when it comes spiritually, psychologically, or emotionally. Mm -hmm. And the old, the tradition within Christianity has the idea that these times mm -hmm. where we experience pain, that they are actually, this is what they call the wilderness experience or the dark night of the soul. Okay. Yeah. I've heard that. And I think there's a lot, there's a lot within Christianity to perhaps discourage us mm -hmm. from having these wilderness experiences or the night of the soul. How? I think there's this sense that if you see that God is always in your life, mm -hmm. and if you begin then to have doubts, mm -hmm. then you double down on your faith. Yes. And you see doubt as something that actually is not a positive experience, right. but something that should be avoided, therefore, to have more faith. Yes. And you feel the guilt for not having enough faith. Right. But perhaps these wilderness experiences that the Bible continually talks about mm -hmm. as people go through... 
they are a learning experience. They are a growing experience yeah. that people have. Uh-huh. The challenge is, is when you go through those experiences and your view of God does shift. Right. Where do you find support for that? That's tough. I don't know. <sighs> you look to other religions. I don't know. I mean, there's a hundred things you could do. You walk away altogether, mm -hmm. especially today. There's yeah. a ton of resources, places, groups. And maybe that's where we need to assess really what are the advantages of religion and in uh -huh. particular Christianity in right. our life. Okay. Is it, is it just kind of a crutch that helps us journey through life, kind of give us the, the encouragement that we're not going alone? Mm -hmm. What happens if For it some gets, people. But what happens if that gets too hard? Or what if somebody that hasn't ever been introduced to Christianity? Explain what you're asking. Well, they don't use it. At a, they don't have it in their life. Right. So they manage to get through somehow. Exactly. So then what is the value of, of religion and in, in, in mm. particular Christianity? Is it kind of this guarantee that I have these expectations that God is going to do these things in my life? If that's the case, then mm -hmm. when God doesn't do those things, God doesn't meet our expectations, that's when I think we find the challenges. Yeah. And I think the challenge at that time is either to feel the guilt and to double down and not talk about it because of fear of being <laughs> found out. Right. Or you come out of the closet and yeah. you begin to actually consider the possibilities of a need for shifts. Mm -hmm. It's like, I love what he says here. Uh, Gibran says, mm. when he talks about even as the stone of the fruit, if you think about it like a, the, the pit in a fruit, the right. seed. Peach pit. The stone of the fruit must break. Mm-hmm that its heart may stand in the sun. So you must yeah. know pain. So there's advantages that Gabron seems to point at yeah. of these breaks that occur in our life that expose us to new possibilities of growth. Yeah, that's beautiful, right. But that's where it's hard. And I think it goes back to what you were saying as a, as a mom yeah. with your children mm -hmm. and you wanna somehow help them through their pain Yes. I think sometimes as fellow Christians, uh -huh. we want to do the same. Yeah. And maybe it's our own discomfort with pain that does not allow us to sit with other people in their pain. Maybe. Wow. And we want to fix it. Yeah, we want to fix it. Because we right. don't like them being in discomfort no. because that creates discomfort for us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like watching a train wreck. And <laughs> you can't do anything about it. So that comes back to acceptance. Yeah. And I think that's where I found this idea that you accept the seasons of your heart, being mm -hmm. that there are different things that are going to come in and out of your life. And as those things come in and out, yeah, it doesn't mean that we, acceptance doesn't mean that you have to like it or enjoy it. Acceptance doesn't mean that if you have the opportunity to make a change that you don't make the change. Right. But underlying it is when you come to the point that you realize there is nothing I can do. There's nothing I control. 
all I can do at this moment is sit. Right. And I think that's one of the challenges that I personally experience is that when I'm experiencing this emotional pain, I want the distraction. I want kind of this, you know, migraine pill. Cover up the symptoms. Yes. Avoid the pain. Avoid the pain. And if I can do that, then I can make it through. And Mm -hmm. I think that's why we see there, because of so much emotional, psychological, and spiritual pain, that we're looking for ways of numbing it. And I think often people turn to God as a way of trying to numb that pain rather than go through the pain. Perhaps. Uh, Aristotle, mm-hmm. he believed that... Ha- Good for, you went to school with him, didn't you? I did. Fascinating guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he says. He believed that happiness was a byproduct of a life of virtue. We've come to associate happiness with a more vague metric of feeling good. Mm-hmm. Rather than thinking in terms of living virtuously, we've come to associate happiness more with the avoidance of pain and pursuit of pleasure. Wow. With personal gratification or sensory pleasures. He nailed it. Yes. I, and I think that's what, wow. When you, this idea that virtue. Yeah. Is the goal to live a life of virtue built upon your, your values and your principles that yeah. you, that is eventually going to bring pain into your life. Right. Living a virtuous life is not mean it's going to be an easy life. Exactly. Because you're going to upset some people. Uh-huh. When you're un- when to you're build not- the character and be virtuous. Yeah. When you're not willing to just go along, if your mm-hmm. if your choices make another person uncomfortable, rather than then sitting in their discomfort, at yeah. that point, they want to use you mm-hmm. to deal with their own discomfort. Yes. <laughs> and again, it's another way of defect, deflecting the pain that we experience. Right. And I think that goes, Aristotle and this idea of a virtuous life ties back into what I think what William Coffin was talking about in this mm-hmm. sermon was that at the beginning of Jesus's public ministry, the author of this gospel chooses mm-hmm. to have Jesus have this first experience. Yeah. And it is this painful experience mm-hmm. of being tempted. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing to understand is that the writer is trying to get us to understand that this is, is a difficult time yeah. for Jesus. It is a temptation. It's not an easy time. No, right. But it's... When he goes through that, when Coffin refers back to this poem, Mm -hmm. I think he's linking that experience as something that will prepare Jesus for the rest of his public ministry and the challenges that he's going to face. And the human experience. Exactly. And I think that's where it comes back to us. Mm -hmm. So that's, again, where I think there's value in belonging to some kind of community. Uh, Some kind of spiritual community. Because if you belong to a spiritual community, you have someone, if that is the right community for you, you have the support Mm -hmm. in the sense that they're not going to come along and give you platitudes. (laughs) Right. Or make you feel guilty. Yes. They're probably probably Mm -hmm. going to just allow you to experience the pain or embrace the suck. 
and walk with you through it. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Or maybe not. Maybe that's something you need to walk through by yourself. But maybe they're on this, you know, they'll be waiting for you when you come out of it. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean. <laughs> well, some of us are codependents. We need somebody with us through it. <laughs> and that's maybe, and that's maybe one of the, the problems is, is that maybe there are times when we have to have pain in our life mm -hmm. to make us more dependent upon ourselves and to trust very more in ourselves. That's very wise. Rather yes. than trusting in other people to, and I think sometimes if we see God as something external of ourselves, yeah. the temptation is God can become something that I can become codependent upon. Yeah. Is that good? I, Bad? I, I mean, there's that there's that old <laughs> song, "Trust and Obey." Then uh, you know there is no other way oh. to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. <laughs> Can you sing it for us? No, Tony? thank you. <laughs> but I think that's again it goes back to is and, and our time is drawing to an end. But oh, gosh. but it is something that I wonder if we ought to come back and look at sometime, hmm. is this idea of, is it a value emotionally and psychologically and mm -hmm. spiritually for our continual growth mm -hmm. to be codependent on God? Oh, I don't know. That's another, that's another discussion altogether. Yeah. Boy, we go in the weeds, don't we? Yeah, and it's nice out here sometimes. <laughs> well, I want to thank you for joining us. For those of you who would like to experience a brief meditation, I encourage you to stay on because you will hear a meditation that you can incorporate into your life no matter when. So if you're listening to this and now's not a good time for you to pause and have that experience, I would encourage you to come back and use this brief meditation as an opportunity to be more in touch with yourself and the divine in whichever way you experience that. Hope you have a great week. Stay out there. And while you're out there, stay safe. Take care. Breathing as is. Simply become familiar with the breath as a way to become familiar with all of who you are at this moment in this day. Wherever you find yourself, sitting or standing, feel the weight of your body through your seat or your feet on the floor. Straighten your upper body as if a balloon is pulling your head to the sky. Lower your shoulders. Soften your gaze and try to gently fixate on a point on the ground in front of you. Connect to the natural cycle of your breath feeling the rise and fall of your belly 
tune into your breath as if it's a wave of an ocean or the movement of a fan. Sensing each breath as a unique act or rotation. Feel the rise and fall of your belly. And when your mind wonders as it will, return to the physical sensation of your breath. 